My guest is on the line now from Ojai, California. That's the Almond Center of America, where Krishnamurti used to sit on a swing up there. I used to go by and watch him give his lectures. James Menzel Joseph. I gave you his bio earlier. He is also the author of Art and Survival in the 21st Century. Nice to have you with us today. Well, thank you, uh, Gary, uh, for inviting me and to spend this time with you and with your listeners. I was listening to your program earlier, and all of the uh, items that you mentioned are so heartrending. And, you know, we look to cause. You know, I mean, what, what's the underlying cause of this? The lack of our ability to see. And artists, fortunately, have been trained to see, to pull seemingly what we would call disparate elements together and to create a whole. And I think this is really important during this time because all of these things that you are uh, uh, listing here are coming from this illusion of separation, that somehow I'm in here and everything else is out there. Now, that is pure illusion, and it allows us to do really uh, horrendous things to ourselves, to others, and more importantly, to our environment. So if we step back and say, what is it that will enable us to actually see uh, more largely the picture? What's really going on here? One of the things that I have found personally is working with children and being an educator is that uh, children are hardwired to play. Uh, it's no accident that nature has created us that way. And, you know, they're filled with joy and life and fearless, and they're not afraid to pick up a rock and see what's underneath it. And and they learn so quickly that way. And in fact, uh, we find this with all animals, that they learn through playing. And what we want to do is put them in desks, test them, and adulterate them so early that they lose this desire for inquiry and creativity. And this is a tragedy that's unfolding before us, and they're much more easily uh, manipulated as a result of that. And if you look at your own childhood, and every child, every person will go back, they say, what is the thing that you loved about school? It was art, music, dance, body movement, and gym. (laughs) You know, getting able to get that body moving. What are we doing? We're sitting them in desks, you know, where they can't move, and we're testing them. Now, what what do tests really do? They create fear. And where fear is is there's no creativity and there's no love. Fear and love can't occupy the same space. And so we feel separated. We're fearful. And we go out into the world with this ego that we've been given has nothing whatsoever to do with who we really are. And so, therefore, we can do these things and not feel somehow that they're going to affect us. We're, we're uh, immune from our actions, in effect. One of the things that I have found, you know, in being an artist and going out and painting clean air on site is it, it eliminates that illusion of separation, that we can now see that I'm not in here and everything is out there, but they're all one. And I don't mean that in some kind of mystical way. I mean it practically speaking. If I'm looking at a tree for three or four hours and I see the vibration coming off of that tree and I acknowledge that that tree and I are one because that is my outside lung. It's breathing. It's giving me air. It's giving me oxygen. 
and therefore we are one. So I approach that tree very differently than than someone who you know is a commodity trader and sees it as lumber and needs to be cleared. It's also sequestering water, you know, which is a phenomenal thing. So. I have a great deal of reverence because now it's a part of me. And as long as I'm living in this illusion of separation, we will continue. All of us will continue down this path. We have to get, and we will get it one way or another. The longer we continue this, the more painful will be the ultimate experience. So we're really, um, at this time in our evolution, we're having the opportunity presented to us stronger and stronger because nature is unrelenting in creating balance. And if we don't get it, we're out of here. I mean, it's that simple. So I think it's an enormous opportunity for us to move forward. And how do we do that? We do it by play, by getting outside of our ego, by having fun at whatever we're doing, being afraid, not being afraid to do anything uh, that comes before us. You know, you can you can uh, manifest your art in construction and in, in designing homes. Why do homes look like they are? It's crazy. I designed an earth berm that's so beautiful. It needs no air conditioning, nothing. You can grow your food on top of it. You don't have to dig down. You can just take the topsoil, put it up. All the light, it's much lighter. It's curvilinear. I'm really into curvilinear. Uh, we really have become square and, you know, four by eight, four by eight, four by eight. For the, for the convenience of people that manufacture building materials. So let's step outside of this belief system. Let's truly be children again, be creative and say, this is the world I want and stand for that. Because if we don't do that, uh, the, the circumstances are going to be very dire. Now, let's talk a little bit about art. I'd really <clears throat> like to do that because so many of us have, you know, preconceptions about what art is. You know, we think of the Met or, or the Louvre, you know, and yet art permeates our whole life, our clothing, our furnishings, our cars, uh, the, our cosmetics. The way we think about things, the way we think about life is all given us uh, uh, given us a message through art. You mentioned Apple earlier. There's a good example. Look at that image, the Apple. Some artists designed that. They also designed, you know, they have the, you know, the brushed aluminum top. Everything is very elegant. And where does it come from? You know, sweatshops, factories all over the world. This is true of Adidas and all of these people. So, uh, you know, our perception is molded and shaped by artists, writers, for hire. Okay, so for example, when you voted for Obama in 2008, you didn't vote for Obama. You vote, voted for, as Ad Age said, uh, the best uh, campaign in the 2008, and just barely beating out, guess who? Apple. So when you vote for a, a candidate, you're not voting for that candidate. You're voting for the best PR firm, uh, the best advertising agency, the people that put it all together and, you know, film him correctly, et cetera, et cetera. So this is the world we live in. So let's get smart. Let's be penetrating in our analysis and, and re 
take our creative energy. We need to take back our lives. I mean, we grow food all around our house. We, I mean, we're, you know, we're totally uh, vegan. Because, and not like, oh, this is some kind of uh, cult. But I don't want to have some other sentient being die that I have to live. Nor, is it, nor do I want 10 to 15 other people to starve because I've run food through an animal. That's what it takes in terms of grain. So I'm very passionate about this, and this is a great valley to be in because we have, you know, green coalitions. We have uh, preservation uh, commissions and, and, you know, new farming methods that we're doing, bio uh, organic farming. So uh, it's an exciting time, but only if we say so. Everything is opportunity, and we we really need to be, to be gorillas in this and take charge of our lives and reestablish local communities. It's absolutely essential that we do that, that we see that we're some. Uh, we're part of something much larger than ourselves. Good. I appreciate those insights. Just have a few questions for you. Now, you've stated that you do not know a single artist who believes in the official story of the 9-11 Commission, Mm -hmm. and that artists, as a rule, find are found to be suspicious of official stories in general from the get-go, such as our entering the wars in the Middle East, the idea of Fukushima not threatening our health and environment here in the U.S., and, of course, the circus we witness in Washington every day. Why do you believe that artists have an ability to more easily see past the illusions of dogmatic rhetoric and can perceive the underlying motivations in their words and decisions? Well, because they're trained observers. And this takes a lifetime of work, and we're doing it all the time. You know, we run every through, everything through a belief system, and we edit and censor everything. And this is true of our seeing. This is really an interesting insight that I've gained over a long period of time is that people bring all their prejudices and all of their beliefs into the drawing class with them. And the drawings that they do reflect those prejudices and beliefs. So to be able to peel those back and to see reality and to pull together seeming disparate uh, elements is really at the heart of the art process. And we can all be artists on that level, because in fact we are. We're artists at being, you know, really great, or we're artists at being, you know, making excuses why we aren't. So we could also look at ourselves as artists creating a canvas. You know, our life is our canvas. Now, I'll go back to your question here, is artists have this capacity to see. For example, let's take 9-11. Okay, I mean... (laughs) If it weren't so tragic, it would be uh, it would be a Max Sennett comedy the way it's being described. I mean, it it defies credulity. There's no way one can believe that. The oh, just going right and you know tangentially to that is this whole idea of um, uh, conspiracy theorists. You know these. These ideas don't come from the administration. They come from think tanks. These are people that have been hired from major ad agencies and PR firms, you know, right out of uh, um, uh, Edward Bernay, you know, or going back to Machiavelli. 
Uh, so we're talking about the spin. The spin is everywhere. It's all over the place. So, so if we can get past the spin, for example, uh, a building couldn't come down that way. You could see that it's so obvious. I mean, I've seen buildings. I've watched this stuff. Buildings burn for 24 hours. You know, uh, long. You know, steel. Excuse me, uh, steel buildings that have been standing for 24 hours after a raging fire. And these were not buildings that were reinforced the way the twin towers were. So that right away is a major red flag and we could go on and on with the testimony of people and the sounds of the uh, explosions uh, there is no way it happened the way it happened if we look at conspiracy theory there's another can you imagine the guy that came up with that idea if somebody's saying something just call him a conspiracy theorist Oh, wow, that solves that problem. And we hear that over and over, conspiracy theory. And I, okay, I'll take that word as another PR person and say, you know, you're right, I am a conspiracy theorist. And the the conspiracy that you're offering, you know, is the least likely conspiracy to have happened. So you can take these words and you can turn them around for what they really represent and use some of the same techniques they use, and you really see how ridiculous this whole official conspiracy theory is. There's another issue that, uh, again... James, I I have one last area I want to talk with you about. I appreciate your insights, by the way. And by the way, look at all of the major movements. Who have been the people who've given us an insight through words and lyrics, songs, their art, their illustration? It's been the artist. There has not been a major movement, a social movement uh, of any kind, that has not had artists there as the first line of defense to portray a different perception than the artistic community. My my final question for you is, we are a society based on billion-dollar public relations campaigns that you just alluded to in media, uh, convictions in order to educate the public, and what we are fed are often violent distortions of reality. Yet so many people take this mirage to be the truth and become emotionally charged to maintain these errors. A perfect example is the success some factions and media have had on convincing an increasing number of people that human-related global warming is unreal. How do you account for this, and what would you say is lacking in their development that would lend them to believe in such distortions when so much evidence shows the contrary to be true? Well, I would say, number one, people are fundamentally motivated by fear, a fear of going against authority. And so when authority figures say, you know, it's not humanly uh, a human uh, problem here, that we didn't create this, people feel comfortable with that because they, number one, don't want to take responsibility, don't want to have to change. We have, you know, comfort addictions are everywhere. So we see that. That's a big factor, no question about it. So we have to see that we're much more than our egos. This is, this is like so important for us to get. We're much more than our names. Our families have become much, much larger than our biological family. The whole world is our family. That's what we've got to see. And that includes all the, the interwoven species that make up this web. 
And until we see that, we're going to be in denial. There's no question about that. And one thing I would like to share with you, and it's by Carl Jung, a person that I really respect because he understood the human mind probably as well as anyone. He talked about imagery and so forth. And he said, often the hands will solve a mystery that the intellect has struggled with in vain. The creation of something new is not accomplished by the intellect, but by the play instinct acting from inner necessity. The debt we owe to play, to the play of imagination, is incalculable. And that's from Carl Jung. So I would say people need to play. They need to get in touch with who they are and interact with their environment. I stay out in the woods for four, five, six years looking at the same spot. This is a form of meditation. People need to meditate. You know, be with, slow down, walk instead of ride, you know, and be in touch. Feel the energy of a tree. Put your hand near, I'm into energy, obviously. Put your hand near a tree and feel the energy coming out. Now, do you want to, you want to destroy that tree? Do you want to or are you really a part of that tree that's breathing for you? It's that, it's that simple, and that's real. That's real. That's what we need to be in touch with. James, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your points of view. I really appreciate them. Thank you, Gary, for all the wonderful work you do. It's so much appreciated. James Menzel Joseph, one of the great artists in the world today, sharing his perspectives.